everybody. Welcome to the Third Line Plug, Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jancy. Tim, how's it going, sir? It's going pretty good, honestly. I was hanging out with friends uh, most of yesterday, and yeah, just was able to enjoy my weekend. Started off with uh, two Ottawa Senators wins. Buddy, that's always a good way to start the weekend. I do got to ask, though, do you have any more metal Beyblade injuries that we need to know of? No. And my metal Beyblade injury is actually almost completely healed. Perfect, perfect. What were you doing with the friends over the weekend? Just One of my other buddies who he's expecting, and uh, it'll be about a month before ours, he got a new place just so that it would be more conducive to raising a kid. Right. So it was a host par- host warming party, and we he had a fire pit in the back, and he was burning some of his old notes. So uh, yeah, we just had a fire at his place. Oh, right on, man! Right on. Was it kind of like one of those things, like that moment from The Simpsons where Lou Ann burned Kirk's clothes? He goes, "Sing, ba boom, say goodbye to the old me. All the notes are going away." <laughs> no, not not so much. Although part of it was like i've been carrying around these notes and i never look at i've had them for like 10 years and i've never looked at them since i graduated and then we were going through his notes and looking at like old old math tests and labs and stuff and be like silly mistake so yeah we were just we were like looking at it and correcting the math errors he was making in these old worksheets oh my god i mean knowing you that does not surprise me i'm i'm a math it's like when you were in studio and you saw one of katrina's college books you're looking at going like oh this is kind of you're just kind of flipping through oh well okay to be fair looking i was more surprised that a non-specialist would be using woodward for econometrics because that is a really good book and i never had it assigned because uh typically i was using more theoretical texts so i actually looked through it 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 is like it's a standard text for a reason so, Tim, we're going to have an episode ahead of us. We got, obviously, the two wins that you talked about. We got a really good top of the yard to talk about. But before we do any of that, alert, 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 alert. So you know how, at the beginning of the season, Tim, we told our listeners that we're going to be looking at a monthly guest co-host, but we're going to be looking at other teams, not so much for the Ottawa Senators. We found our first guest co-host for the month of November and of course, the team is going to be the New York Islanders. And I'm very happy to announce that Dan Saracini, the host of the Islanders Anxiety Podcast and writer for Lighthouse Hockey, will be joining us next Monday. I always love when we have guests on. And next uh, next Monday's episode is a very funny episode because just the way the week falls, we only have one game to talk about, which is that game against the Islanders. So honestly, might as well. I mean, yeah, right? You look at the schedule because you kind of look at the months and you're like, okay, who do we get for this? Who I have maybe two or three people in mind. But when I saw that the Islanders were the lone game, I was like, let's go after an Islanders person. Yeah, like it just makes sense. And we've done that before when uh, we had that pivotal back-to-back against Detroit and we had uh, Jake Rivard on. So it's not unusual. No, it's not unusual, man. It's not unusual. But what's also not unusual is talking about our cover athlete for today's episode, Season 7, Episode 6, Acrological Order, Episode 156. It's the Magnus PRV episode, Tim. So, just a little back about Magnus PRV. He was drafted 10th overall by the Edmonton Oilers in 2009. He played parts of nine seasons with three teams, Edmonton, St. Louis, and Ottawa, where he would play parts of two seasons, recording 17 goals, 10 assists for 27 points in 100 
in 15 games. I would have never believed you if you would have told me he played 115 games and he only had 17 goals. Yeah. The funny thing about Payarvi, I think if Magnus Payarvi was drafted in the third round, he would still be in the NHL today. Because he kind of morphed into this very solid third line defensive pivot who could toss in about 10 goals a season. But because he was that kind of first rounder from Edmonton, the expectation was just that much higher. It was. And, you know, when you talk about first round draft picks that don't pan out, obviously, there's not a ton of people that think about Magnus PRV being one of those guys. But PRV is one of those guys that I would have, I would have, if you would have told me after 15 years he would not be in the NHL, I probably wouldn't have believed you because I would have believed that Magnus PRV was going to be the guy in Edmonton, if not one of the guys. Well, remember that in his first preseason game, the guy just goes out, scores a hat trick. And in his first season with the Oilers in 2010-2011, he put up 34 points. Like, that's nothing to sniff at for a rookie. No, it's absolutely not. And it's funny because between him and Linus Omark, remember that guy in Edmonton? Yeah. It really goes to show just how poor Edmonton was at not so much the drafting of the players, but the development of the players. Allmark was weird, though, because wasn't he mostly undercut by freak injuries? Yeah, but I think that the scouts in Edmonton probably watched the legendary, what was it, the World Juniors or World Championships? Right. Pulled it back and just pulled the Datsuk and flipped it over. Right, yeah. How do you think that really overrated Linus Allmark? Probably a lot. Although, Allmark has been doing pretty well in Boston. Are we talking about the right player? No, you're talking about... Uh, Linus... Linus Allmark's the goalie. Yeah, I'm thinking about uh, Linus Allmark, who played for the Oilers. How do you spell... Sorry, my braid is just like... There are... Are you sure it's... how? Can you get me a spelling to make sure we're saying this right? Yes, okay. Linus... Oh, of course, my stupid thing is now glitching. Here we go, Linus. Let's just go to the ballmark. I gotta say, am am I thinking of the right guy? I gotta be thinking of the right. Are guy. you sure you're not thinking of like Oscar Kleffbaum? Wouldn't be Kleffbaum. He was a no. He was a defenseman. No, he was a forward for Edmonton. Let yeah, let's see who we got here. Oilers roster. This is gonna be the. Let me just have a look. See, uh... I think I know who you're talking about because, like, it was he was supposed to be like this next big guy, and then he either like played like fit like a pit a pitiful number of games, and then just disappeared. Yeah, I'm just trying to bring it up. Here. Linus Omark. Oh, Linus Omark. Okay. All. That's who I'm thinking of. Linus Omark, not Omark. Yeah, that guy. Uh, I want to talk about not panning out, but the guy else, he was also just really undercut by injuries. Yeah, and just weird life. Like he played 51 games in 2011, 2010, 2011. 14 games in 2011, 2012. Missed the lockout shortened season. Played 14 games between Edmonton and Buffalo in 2013, 2014, and that's all she wrote. Christ, I mean, when you have to finish your career at Buffalo on that team? On that team, yeah, no kidding. Like, that was a guy who was just like, Linus, 
Omar just being completely derailed by injury. For me, Magnus PRV's. I got two fond memories of Magnus PRV. Number one, Magnus PRV on the Sens is such a throwback to who our first couple of seasons doing the show when he was referred to as the Budbuster. Budbuster, because he always did well against Toronto, and we always beat the Leafs with him in the lineup. But also, do you remember back in NHL? I want to say NHL twelve. Was either 10, 10, 11, 12. You know how they have the be a pro mode and you could have actually taken taken charge of an active player? Yeah. I took charge of Magnus PRV and I had three 60 goal seasons in Edmonton. And Yo, was, let's go. That's the only memory I have of him. And he just never panned out in Edmonton in real life. Yeah. He did more than Linus Olmark. I know, but not as much as Linus Olmark in Boston. <laughs> True. Yeah. So, you know, Tim, as much as we can sit here and try to come up with things to talk about Magnus PRV, it would only delay the inevitable that we need to announce next week's cover athlete for next week's episode, Season 7, Episode 7, in chronological order, Episode 157, and talk about another throwback. Tommy Wingles is going to be our cover athlete for that episode. Hey. Did anything come out of the seventh pick that we traded for him? Sorry, the seventh rounder we traded for him. Ooh, I don't know. Did it? I don't. I'm going to have to look this one up because that would be very funny. See, see, Tim, this would be so much nicer if we had a producer or something on the show to look the staff, look the stuff up for us. And then they would be in our ears going, no, it was this. Honestly, we just have Cat Friendly that could do that for us. That's true. And I got to give Cat Friendly or even Hockey Reference. I love Hockey Reference, too. Oh, yeah. That trade was 2016-2017. Ah, where is that time? We There's the Burroughs trade, Victor Stahlberg. Where is the Wingles trade? Tommy Wingles. Matthew Hellickson. Matthew Hellickson. Yeah, I don't think he ever... Uh, yeah. He was last seen with the Marlies in 2022-2023. So he made it to the AHL, which is actually... Pretty good for a seventh. Got to give him that, man. Seventh round pick. Especially when you're that low. Sometimes you are this gentleman. Sometimes you're Pecorini. Yeah. At 214th overall pick. I know. And now he's getting a jersey retirement and a statue in Nashville to him. So yeah, let's go. Let's oh, go. yeah. I forgot we also traded Zach. Sor- we had Zach Stortini for a bit. Oh, my God. You want to talk about a guy who played with Pyarvi and Linus Omar in Edmonton? Zach Stortini. He was a face puncher. Jesus Christ. Those like late 90s, early 2010s Oilers teams, you look at the rosters and you're like, what the hell is this? <laughs> you have you a mean... smash of like, you know, your first round picks that were like, you know, your Nugent Hopkins, your Taylor Halls, your PRVs. And then you get guys like Zach Stortini, some of the remnants of the 2006 Edmonton Oilers and future... Hockey podcaster Ryan Whitney. <laughs> it's just like, where did these guys come from? And then, like, somehow that team, that hodgepodge team, you add Chris Pronger to the mix, and all of a sudden it's a Stanley Cup finalist. <laughs> that salary, that first post salary cap year was so weird. I swear, you know, when you see all these hockey documentaries now, I think somebody needs even like a secret base or some YouTube show. I'd love to see them do like a deep dive on that 
first post lockout year of 0506 because it was such a wild year. I mean, hell, talked about with Joe Thornton be traded. We talked about with just teams who were bottom feeders in 2004 were going to the finals. And then you had the Hashik blowout. Yeah, but I think that was, I think it that was, was the Olympics. It was the Olympics, but it was one of those things where it's like, if you'd ever seen any of his time in Buffalo, you kind of knew you were waiting for it to happen. It was the problem. That's true. Although one of the players we did trade for Wiggles did end up playing in the NHL, at least a little bit, Buddy Robinson. Oh my God, Buddy Robinson. Was he a cover athlete? He might have. He did play some time with Senators. What was his jersey number? Uh, let's look this one up. I have a funny feeling. I think he was one of our... Either he Buddy was Robinson. Or he was our cover athlete. Uh, he wore 55 and 50... Sorry, he wore 55 on the Senators. Okay, yeah, he probably wouldn't have been him then. Not yet. <laughs> not, anyways, not yet, man, not yet. No, yeah. I mean, this has been such a great talk, man. But you know what? I got to ask the question. How's your week been going? Pretty good, pretty good. As we mentioned at the top of the show, uh, hung out with some buddies, uh, burned some stuff. Sorry, uh, had, a, had a bonfire as a kind of a housewarming thing. Otherwise, uh, it's just kind of been busy with work. Yeah, just trying to get a model tuned by end of year. That's fair. Yeah, it's only going to be a couple more weeks and then you will be on the island, my friend. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we'll see how uh, well Chelsea does with flying this time. Yeah, absolutely, man. Absolutely. So I'll talk a little bit about my week because there really hasn't, you know, too much to talk about. Obviously, I talked about playing hockey last week. The goalie hypersent his knee. So yesterday, now obviously I didn't get a chance to watch the wild game on Saturday morning. Katrina and I went with her mom and her aunt to a couple of the Christmas markets down in Victoria. Found some good stuff. Got a couple of stuff <laughs> for my mom for Christmas. And then went to see CCR cover band last night. Oh, how are they? They were really good. Like, they're one of these groups that, like, they play the couch and theater or they play certain halls and they sell out every time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. My dad and I have seen them twice. We went to see them a third time last night and they were really good. The only que- the only thing I had was I said to my dad, I was like, is it me or is the singer mixed really weird high up in the mix? And he oh. goes, yeah, he noticed. Like, that's a thing for me, right? I've gone to over 30 plus concerts in my life. It's like when you go to hockey games or any sporting events, there's certain stuff you'll notice. And certain stuff that you pick up on. I picked up on that right away, almost right away. I said, okay, the sound engineering is really good at the beginning. And then it just got kind of worse. Wow. As it went on. Yeah, because I know, I remember when I went to U2, the sound engineering was fantastic, but Bono was about half an octave sharp. Oh, it was probably some... Like, it was BC Place, so... Oh, okay, so it wasn't like vocal pitching or anything they were using? No, I think it was, yeah, it was just... A, BC Place is also just impossible to do sound engineering for. Yeah, well, I mean, crazy big domes like that? Yeah, there's yeah. no way that you're going to do it. So, like, the fact that they got the instruments sounding as good as they did is a minor miracle. It is. And from what I hear, they obviously got it really good in the spheres in Vegas. So Yeah. Well, that sphere show looked great. It did, man. It did. It's unfortunate. I think the sphere, I think it's already lost like a hundred million. It hasn't even been open like a couple of months. Oh, that thing's cool. I saw. So I'm going to, I was part of some of the Simpsons meme pages on Facebook. And one of them was 
it was the headlines of the sphere losing over almost a hundred million dollars screenshot underneath it was the episode that went to um knoxville tennessee when the for the world's fair <laughs> at the world's fair it fell on the car that's <laughs> what i thought of i started laughing i was like that's great how do i want things like I like cool engineering feats that you could do interesting stuff with. Mm-hmm. So, like, I love the concept of the sphere, and I hope that like the money lost isn't like money lost below expected profit. Sorry, like expected net profit for the first few years. Yeah, like that they just expected operating costs to be greater than revenue for the first bit before it turns around naturally i just hope that's what's going on i would hope so but i also think of some of the artists they could have gotten for the sphere you know i think prince would have been great if he was still alive i do think there are certain bands that i think would do i think obviously maybe a pink floyd like yeah. a prog rock band with a lot of visuals you can do it i've always argued tool would be great in the sphere with all the visuals so but believe me, man, once we get into our next segment, we're going to be talking a lot about the sphere. So do you want to just do it? Go ahead and do that, T? Yeah, let's do it. So you noticed that I didn't really segue to top of the air, but I did leave those bells in. So yeah, we like them. We do. We do like them. We do like them. The only thing I don't like, Tim, and of course, with top of the air, you know how I feel about death. I hate talking about it. I hate when we have to start kicking off with it. And this one in particular, I mean, when I was a young kid coming up watching hockey, even though I'm not a Flyers fan, this is a guy that I associate with the Flyers, despite the fact he only played three seasons with them. Former NHL goaltender Roman Czechmanek passed away at the age of 52. Czechmanek played parts of four seasons with Philadelphia and Los Angeles, recording a 110-64-28 record and a .919 save percentage. Chet Manic is so bizarre because, yeah, he played four NHL seasons, three of them spectacular. Yeah. And then just he got on this really bad t- Kings team, still played pretty good. Then after the lockout ended, he just either wasn't resigned or never came back. Just bizarre. It is really bizarre. I think with Roman, though, the only thing that really sticks out in my mind, and he was a very good regular season goalie who fell apart in the playoffs. He was notorious for letting in, like, super weak goals. I think there was one in 2003. I think it was the game that... It's the Senders, yeah? No, it was against Toronto. Oh. ended his tenure. Which ended his tenure in the NHL. Was it? Yeah, I think it was 03, where basically he dropped his... I think it was his blocker. So his blocker drops. He goes down to one need to get it. I think it was Travis Green. So he shot it. It went right over his other shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. I think they, yeah, that's right. Yeah, they did. Did they lose to the Flyers? I'm trying to think of Ottawa. No, did Ottawa beat? Yeah, I think Ottawa beat Philly. Ottawa beat Yeah, Philly. Ottawa beat Philly. Because Ottawa beat the Islanders in round one, Philly in round two, then lost to Jersey yep. in game seven or round three. Ugh. Yeah, don't remind me. After but then Jersey. Jersey was the eventual winner, so you can't be too mad. No, who got who the themselves got carried to seven games. Yeah. Which should have been a sweep. Like that should not have even been close. But no, but Roman Check Manic, I mean, it is here's the thing, and I've mentioned this in the past, and it's like when players that 
we grew up watching and we grew up watching these guys come up in the ranks and they come up in the NHL. When they end up passing away, two things really come to mind. It really sits there like, wow, that guy's gone. And also, oh my God, I'm getting to the point where the guys that I grew up watching are now dying. Yeah. 50 is young, dude. It is very young. It is very young. And unfortunately, I haven't read anything about it. And I, you know, that's the thing about social media. You'll always get the comments of, oh, I bet it's how this is how this guy did. This is how this guy. It's like, the guy just passed away. Like, show some respect. Yeah. Like, at 50, yeah, it's, that's young. It is. The only comment I could really make about Chuck Manic is that he had a lot of things that reminded me of Roman Turk, other than, like, Turk was six foot five, right? Yeah. Kind of the same thing. Very good regular season goalie. He let in weak goals that the fans turned on him. And especially being a goalie in Philadelphia, of all things, because they remember because they've gone through so many decades of finding the next guy, and they've gone through so many of them. But then again, they had they did have some periods of stability in net where you had like Hextall, right? Yep, whether it be Ron Hextall or who else would you include in that list? Maybe just Ron Hextall, actually. Yeah, I mean, Robert Esch had a couple, like a year or two. But yeah. I guess so did Chuck Manic. And so did Brian Boucher. And I guess Carter Hart. Carter Hart is probably what the closest they've come since Hextall, yeah. Yeah. And I hate to say it, but even Carter Hart is not. He's a very good goalie, but I think the expectations are so high on him. Like, what are you going to do? Are you going to win a Stanley Cup and sweep every series on the way? Well, yeah, because, like, the rest of that Philly team is... Uh, last year, definitely, it was uh, something else. This year, they're still not... They're better. Like, legitimately, they are a better team this year than they were last year. Somehow. Somehow, but I think it's just having a fresh voice in the room with Daniel Briere being there as GM. And it was something that, you know, if you go back and if you go back and find the episode that talked about it, I said, I'm weary of it. Cause he really has next to no general manager experience, but I'm willing to give him a shot. And apparently he's done very well for him. Yeah. Philly. Well, the other thing is just the systems are completely turned around. Cause they went from a puck possession, like a puck and play possession basket case to a disciplined defensive team with a little bit of a little bit of offensive upside. Yeah, they're playing Tortorella hockey. They're playing Tortorella hockey, yeah. Fair. And admittedly, it is a it's not exactly the thickest roster. No, not yet, anyway. But having Couturier back has really helped. I do want to make one comment about Tortorella. Is he or is he not kind of the perfect philadelphia head coach as far as like for just putting up with absolutely zero bullshit yes yeah yeah i can buy that he is so perfect as a head coach not just for the flyers but for any philadelphia team because you know how hard the fans are you know how hard the media is and john tortorella is the one that just doesn't put up with anybody's shit yeah no i believe that yeah 
Austin Bruins forward Milan Lucic will be taking in an indefinite leave of absence following his arrest early Saturday morning on an alleged domestic incident. And it is really unfortunate to see this about Lucic. I'm going to read the statement from the team. Because this is a team where the players union has a way that it likes teams to handle incidences with the law. And this is a pretty I'm going to read this and I'm going to get your opinion on that. Okay. Milan is taking an indefinite leap of absence from the team. The organization takes these matters very seriously and we will work with the Lucic family to provide any support and assistance that they may need. We support the Lucic family and continue to provide the support and help. The head coach said to the media before Boston's tilt against Montreal, our culture is great and we care about each other. Remarked second year Bruin coach. So with that, it's not a normal day, but we're professionals. That's damning with faint praise. Yeah, you know what? I don't know about you. That the when they said like we take our culture very seriously, they were one or two steps away from straight throwing Milan under the bus. Yeah, so I think as far as uh, things go, uh, he's going to be arraigned in court on Monday or Tuesday. So he will be charged with a deep, like he'll be charged, but uh, whether the charge sticks, we'll see. Yeah, so just wait for the courts on this one because not good. No, and that's why I'm trying to not have an opinion on the incident itself, just because it's still very early. But the only thing I'm thinking of here with Lucci's taking the indefinite, indefinite leave of absence, he's on a one year contract, he's 36. He's done. Do the, well, he was already on an LTIR. Yeah, do the Bruins even bring him back? Is this the end of it? I'm pretty sure that's the end of Milan Lucic. And it's such a shame because Lucic is a guy who, again, we, you have to think, we, we, we hang shit on Milan Lucic. First time in Calgary, for his time in Edmonton. And in Milan, L.A., and in LA, but Milan as a Bruin was something else. He was, you know, because this is when the NHL started really transitioning into a more finesse game that we see today, correct? Yeah. Milan Lucic was a throwback. He was not a good skater, but he could run a guy through the boards like nothing. Yep. The guy was an absolute animal. You threw him in front of the net. He got 30 goals. He won a Stanley Cup. And it's a shame that this is he, essentially how his career is going to end. Like, yeah, it's a crying shame that he ended his career with a DV charge. Like, straight up. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't know what more to say, man. Don't know more to say. On to the next item. Yep. So, you know, in last week, I think it was either last week or the week previous, the Ottawa Senators and Pierre Dorian departed ways. Yep. And you knew at the time during the episode, I said I could have used the Vince McMahon, you're fired. But I said, you know what? I'm going to hold off. I'm going to wait for an actual firing to come along. And the hockey gods smiled, Tim. Edmonton Oilers have fired head coach Jay Woodcroft after parts of three seasons. Woodcroft was replaced by former Erie Otters head coach Chris Noblock. So, Jay... I know a lot of the other fans are hanging shit on you, but I do want to give credit. Thank you so much for your time and effort in 
the Edmonton Oilers and everything you've done. But Jay Woodcroft, you know what? Yeah, this is not one that you could have seen coming. No. And what's frust what's funny is Woodcroft got sunk by bad goaltending. Yeah. Well, I mean, Christ, look at Jack Hamill's in the minors right now at five mil. Yeah. Like if Edmonton had competent goaltending, they would be probably in the top of the Pacific with Vegas. Like the shooter, like they were getting a bit unlucky with their shooting, but the territorial play was still dominant. But man, Campbell and Skidder looked just something else. And if you're deciding that I have a better shot of winning with Calvin Pickard than Jack Campbell, that's uh, really something. Yeah, when Calvin Pickard and Stuart Skinner together is better than Jack Campbell, who you signed for five years. What's so weird about Jack Campbell is halfway through his tenure in Toronto, the man just broke. And this isn't the first goalie this has happened to, eh? No, it's not. And Freddie Anderson is probably the exception because he went to Carolina and actually resurrected his career. Well, here's the thing. Freddie Anderson was never really bad in Toronto. No. He just never got the goal support or the defense. And like, it sounds so wild to say that a man didn't get the goal support from Toronto, but look at the playoff series where Freddie Anderson backed that team up. The only time like he was even questionable in net for Toronto was kind of the start of that 2019-2020 season. But other than that, the guy was aces. So no, it's like, Freddie Anderson was the exception of the rule because he was always good in Toronto. So there was no rebuilding necessary to be done. He just had to go to a place where he was appreciated. Yeah. And that's something that, again, I mean, since the days of Cujo, how many goalies has Toronto been through? But then again, look at some of the, like the weird thing is, is Toronto kept, had a habit of bargain hunting with goalies that it never worked. Vesa Toskala, Jonathan Bernier, Ben Scrivens, James Reimer. Okay, so counterpoint on Toskala, though. He was considered one of the best backups in the NHL because he played behind Toskala. Or not Toskala, Nabokov. Nabokov, sure. But Toskala never really proved himself in San Jose. So, like, yeah, that's you're taking a gamble, right? Like, admittedly fair for goalies, but you keep doing that and keep losing. (laughs) Like, the only one that actually worked was Freddie Anderson from Anaheim. It's also really funny that uh, Toronto just likes to source goalies from the West Coast. And for a while, it was exclusively California. Again, Vesa Toskla, James Ryder, Jonathan Bernier from LA, Freddie Anderson from Anaheim. Yep, Toskla from San Jose. Toskla from San Jose. And even Jack Cavill from Dallas. Well, did he come out of LA too? Did, because he was drafted by Dallas. Yeah, he came out of L.A. too. Yeah, and those were moves at the time that we actually praised. We praised going after Jack Campbell. Yeah, no, like, I wasn't expecting them to break him. No. No, but that's the thing, though, is that the Leafs, I don't think it's a matter of 
I always often wonder, is it a matter if they can't or they're not willing to try to adapt to this new NHL format of having a duo, duo style and goal? Well, it's like they kind of, I think they're trying because they're giving Wall quite a bit of work. And I think some of that's out of necessity because they broke Samsonov. Yep. Although Samsonov, Kate, I don't know if it was broke or he just returned to form. Because the guy was playing over expectation compared to what he was playing in Washington for the first half of uh, his career there in Toronto. And now he's just back to form, it looks like. So yeah, Samsonov is broken. So I guess they're giving it to Wall. Yeah, ask me. Ask me. Now go back to what the coaching situation in Edmonton. I want to get your take on what did you think about the way that the players found out? Because it's not like the players got called into a meeting and be like, okay, listen. Jay's been let go. Chris is going to replace him. Essentially, they got a text message the next morning saying Jay got fired. That's and, fucked. And Connor McDavid straight up says, this is ridiculous. We like to talk about the Ottawa Senators being an unprofessional organization, especially when it comes to things like the Dodonov situation. Yep. I don't think even Eugene Melnick would inform his team that their coach had been fired via text message. I think even Melnick is classier than that. Yeah, that's so classless. And, you know, because you can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think in the next couple of years, Connor is going to be a, a free agent along with Leon, including with the losing that they're doing at Edmonton right now, all of this included, how much is going to contribute to, Will they stay in Edmonton? That's a great they, question. They could get to a point where they go, you know what? This is very unprofessional that you're doing this to us. Yeah. Like, admittedly, uh, the Oilers have managed to put together a four-game win streak. So, like, they're starting to climb themselves out of the basement a bit. But that's a, that's a long way to dig. Yep. And uh, they lost to San Jose. Yeah. That's just that's we're just talk- embarrassing. We're talking about a team that has won less than a quarter of their games. That's uh, really something. So you know how we were talking about the sphere just a few minutes ago, Tim? One of the big reasons why I brought this up is because I wanted to get us ready for this story. The NHL are proceeding in talks to host the 2024 NHL draft in Las Vegas at the sphere. Now, do you remember why on top of the hour I made the comment because the NHL were thinking of decommissioning the draft where only a handful of the kids go, all the teams, that's it, right? Yeah. You see stuff like this, and this is why I feel like the NHL shouldn't do it. Because think of it, for the kids in next spring's draft, how many of them can say, I got drafted into the NHL at, at the sphere. sphere? Like, that's cool. And, like, at the same time, it's also like, why would you decommission? Like, I don't, I guess, like, the point is it's, like, less travel. I don't really care one way or the other. But why would you be ha- trying to do this big media spectacle thing while the rest of the owners are like, yeah, maybe this just isn't worth the time, you know? Yeah. Like, what are we doing here? And that's why I feel like if they do this, they're really taking something away from the prospects. Well, that and it's just, 
it really feels like the left hand and the right hand aren't talking. So yeah, it's just very silly. It is. It is. But you know what, though? I would love to see how they do this in the sphere. Like, how would they do that? Would they essentially get just Gary Batman at the sphere in front of everybody, makes the pick, the kid comes down, gets the draft, gets the jersey, goes back to his seat. Yo, you know what you could do in the sphere? I don't know. I, I wonder if, like, for the sphere, you could have, like, players wearing GoPros in T-Mobile mm-hmm. or at, like, an away game arena, like a small GoPro or something tucked into the helmet, and then have the point-of-view footage playing in the sphere. See, that would be cool. It's kind of like if you saw any of the clips of the F1 race they did in Vegas this past weekend. Yeah. Where the sphere was lit up as somebody in a, you know, it was, as I would put it, like the minion head, but with the F1 helmet on, going like this, watching the race. Oh, that's kind of neat, actually. That is kind of cool. The Carolina Hurricanes have announced that they will be bringing back the Hartford Whalers jersey and Cooperall for one game this season i do not understand why we're bringing back the cooperalls there was a reason they banned these 35 40 years ago like these are this like the long pants yeah they're essentially you know what actually i was telling katrina about this and katrina says i was telling her about the cooperalls she she was asking about them and i said yeah you know how like hockey pants they come up to your knee and they have a certain slick sort of material to the pants where you slide Imagine yeah. that, but it goes right to your ankles. And she goes, oh, so they're ski pants. They're essentially ski pants. <laughs> Player just... safety. <laughs> Who needs it? Who needs Overrated it? Overrated nowadays, I tell you. I don't know. I mean, I think it's stupid to bring out the Cooperalls. The Whalers jersey. I do like the Whalers jersey. I'm going to have a hot take, though. Maybe because it's not a jersey I really grew up with. I don't think the OG Whaler jersey, like just the really light blue and green, is, I think it's kind of just an okay jersey at best. Yeah, but like the Whalers are, they kind of are like one of those teams where people are like, oh yeah, I miss, I miss hockey teams in smaller cities. That's cool. You know? Yeah, because. Like the Nordiques. The Nordiques or the Whalers, stuff like that. But for me, it's just, I don't know. I never was never crazy about that Whaler jersey. I do like the ones they had in the early to mid-90s, like the really dark blue, green, and silver. The Chris Pronger era. Kind of those jerseys, when they when they ended up leaving, right? I like yeah. those look. I don't know. I'm not crazy about their red jerseys. Maybe it's the shade of green. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe because I'm not a big fan of like bright green jerseys personal taste no that's fair that's fair although you can buy hartford whalers gear on the nhl store they still sell like crazy it's un- unbelievable yeah it's like what's weird is just like hartford is pretty small i wonder if you could like maybe have like a team in new haven and but then harvard's not a big school sorry not harvard uh, yale's not a big school no yale this is the thing i mean when you think of the states a lot of the big colleges you think of like 
academic. tiny. You think of tiny, but you think of more athletics more than academics. When I think of academics, I think of Harvard, Yale, Yale. Brown, the Northeast schools. I don't think of Not, any other schools. Well, it's like you think of for academics, it's the Ivy Leagues plus the big state schools. So it's like, yeah, Harvard, Yale, Stanford, MIT, UC Berkeley, UCLA, U, U Texas is actually pulls pretty good weight. University of Michigan, University of Chicago, Penn, University of Washington, UW is actually pretty good for uh, computer science. Under, well, I mean, you're in Seattle, right? Yeah, like that. Well, that's why Seattle is the way it is. Yeah. Like we were having this conversation yesterday about Seattle. And I said, Seattle is funny because it's like a hodgepodge of everything. It's kind of like you have your white collar, your blue collar, your college kids, you, everything kind of mixed together. Because we were talking about our conversation about Calgary and Edmonton. And I said that Edmonton seems more like a blue collar. Calgary is more the white collar. Yep. Katrina's like, I mean, Calgary is kind of a mix of both. Calgary is a mix of both, but most of Canada's energy finance is in Calgary. So all the bank jobs in Alberta are in Calgary. So you're getting the white collar stuff there. Yeah. That's what she was saying too. Yeah. But then I got a lot of big cities, big, big cities. It's, it's a hodgepodge. So like New York's the same way, right? Yeah. Like you have a mix of the finance guys and Hey, I'm walking here. Those are not the same people. No, no. It's because those people are like, Hey, I'm walking here. They're actually from New Jersey. (laughs) <laughs> but it's like it's the same thing like they are doing the blue collar work that new york city needs to survive right 100 percent. so this is actually a kind of cool record that got happened this past week tim vancouver canucks philip horneck recorded the hardest shot ever during their game versus the new york islanders i believe it was at 107.9 oh wow yeah and it was just a one-timer and he hit the record that's sick actually but then again like have you seen the way the players rocket that thing around lately? Yep. I, I still can't believe that the guys get out and uh, shot block that. Hey, well, think of the painkillers they're being given, though, like all the tortorol and stuff. Oh, yeah, and like the smelling salts on the bench and stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think there was... I think it was W5 or something that did a special on that a couple of years ago. And one of the guys, I think it was like Kyle Quincy, says, he says, yeah, man, you give me enough tortorol, you feel like you would run through like three brick walls. That's actually pretty funny. And to think that uh, all Detroit got for Ronick was a first at, like a low first and a low sec and a mid second. So essentially they got two seconds. Yeah. Well, they got the 17th overall, which okay, was the fine. Islanders. Ah, mid, mid first is still like Phoenix definitely got more, way more for Shikrin. And Philip Ronick is honestly severely underrated so like that's such a good trade for the canucks and i still think that i guess like detroit got getting a first is still pretty good but the fact that they didn't get a prospect on top of that it's kind of like okay we're going to close off top of the air by talking about a fine edmonton owners forward leon drysell has been fined five thousand dollars the maximum allowable under the cba for a dangerous trip on new york islander bo horvat i see no problem with that suspension no, I'm just glad. I'm just really crazy. It's only been six episodes in. I've never done a maximum low under the CBA yet, which is surprising because we've seen suspensions. We've seen suspensions, but no fines. Yeah, and like we've seen some crazy suspensions too. 
Well, Tim, that wraps up top of there for this week, which could be only one thing. It's time to talk about some games. Now, we got two games to talk about. We got the Red Wings versus the Sens and the Wild versus the Sens. But before we do that, let's hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Okay, Tim, let's talk about the Red Wings versus the Senators. This is a 5-4 to four Senators overtime victory. Red Wings goes scored by Lucas Raymond, David Perron, Alex DeBrincat, and Shane Gotchespear. Sens goes scored by Brady Tucker 2, Jake Sanderson, Josh Norris, and Tim Stutzla in overtime. Shot for 41-34 for Detroit. Absolute cardiac arrest. That's one way of putting that game. What's so weird about that game is Ottawa actually starts really strong. They put three quick by Reimer, and then they just stop skating. They get a, a fluky goal at the beginning of the second. They're up 4 nothing with 10 minutes to go in the second, and they give it all back. And then Detroit runs out of gas. Because you could tell that the Ottawa Senators, like whatever DJ said to them in that rocker room, lit the fear of God in their hearts as they started skating downhill hard and fast. And other than like a short stretch after like those weird, that weird sequence of penalties at the beginning of the third, where Ottawa goes, Ottawa gets a power play two man down. It goes to four on three, then four on four, then a Detroit power play. Other than that, Detroit looked lifeless. And they got a, a crossbar hit at the beginning of overtime, and that was the last that Detroit looked like they were even part of the game. Yeah, and to think that this game easily would have gone to a shootout if Reimer had not ducked. Let's talk about the Stutz the goal. But before we talk about that, let's talk about some of the stuff that Ottawa was doing in Sweden. Let's do it. The first was they organized a paddle tournament. Do you know what paddle is? Is it kind of like table tennis? No, it's more like uh, pickleball. Okay. So you're hitting around a ball with a plastic racket. Uh, Daniel Alfredson is big into paddle. So the day before the Detroit game, they had this big paddle tournament. Just kind of as a bonding experience. Daniel Alfredson whipped all of them. So the way it worked was they all had like their individual scores from each game as they rotated partners. Okay. Ian Mendez was telling him that uh, Eric Brandstrom claimed that he came second. However, if he, the section that TSN had talking about this, if you look at the computer screen when they're tallying the results, the second name under Daniel Alfredson is Vladimir. Vladdy? <laughs> so I feel like there's a bit of controversy here where uh, maybe... Brandstrom wasn't fully forthcoming about who actually won. Sorry, who came second? Wait, is he is he gaslighting Ian Mendez? That would be so funny. <laughs> and we're going to talk about Brandstrom later. We are. We absolutely are. And you mentioned Daniel Alfredson. He was on the bench for this game. It was so great to see him with the team again. You know what it reminded me when you talk about Paddle? Do you remember when Alfie was a player and there's a, the photo of Alfie playing table tennis shirtless? Yep. Somebody posted that on Twitter. It says, here's Alfie during the paddle tournament. It's just, just him. Ugh. But anyway, back to the Stutzla goal. That is the moves that Daniel Alfredson taught Stutzla via paddle. 
if you're wondering, yes, my wife did tell me to say that on the podcast because like all the tweets around the NHL, the German commentators, everyone's like, that's a home run goal, home run goal. Look at him just swing at this thing. And Chelsea's like, no, that is paddle. That goal was so sick though. Dude, and you know what? I have in my nose, if it's this whole thing of Timmy not being good at hockey doesn't pan out, man, he's got a bright future in baseball or paddle. Or paddle, yeah. You know no, what? Like, I mean, but here's the thing. You know, we talk about the baseball swing home run goal. I mean, if this was baseball, you'd be giving the pitcher shit for throwing a softy down the middle to him. Pretty much, because that thing looked like it was just falling on a tee, and Stutzla outweighed Reimer because you can what Reimer's doing is he's trying to take up away away as much of the net as he can. And to do that, he has to bring his head down to bring his arm up, right? Yep. So Stutzla catches him while he's making that motion. Yeah, I mean, you know what it reminded me you of? You can't even really blame Reimer on that goal. No, and I honestly, can't. I'm going to say about the goal. All but one of those goals, the Norris goal that just goes five hole, you can't really blame Reimer because Detroit looked like the Senators from the from two to three weeks ago where every defensive breakdown was both awful and somehow in the back of the net. Yeah, and even with Jonas Corposalo, I mean, two of those goals, the one where the puck just straight goes up and over him. Yeah, like what? The, that's a mean goal. Or the one that goes off JBD's butt. Yeah, those two goals I can't blame him on. And he had a really good game in this one. 37 saves, point nine oh two save percentage. And I do love you brought up Timmy Stu because we can sit here and talk about the goal. And I'm going to ask the question before I talk about my next thought. Which goal is better this one or his first nhl goal very similar very similar i'm going to say the goal against the leafs his first was probably more skillful yeah this one is more of a statement yeah because that was like it's a walk-off homer let's be real dude that's a jose batista down the pipe hit right there yeah like the only thing missing is the bat flip Oh my god, can you imagine if Timmy did the bad flip with the stick? Oh, the Detroit bench would have clobbered him. Yep. Honestly, though, uh, it's Ottawa's top line was flying that game. Other than that te- shaky 10 minutes at the end of the second, they were all over Detroit. And Brady Kachuk with two goals on top of that. Like, it's just very good hockey we saw out of the Stutzler Giroux Kachuk line. Yeah, and you know what? And we're completely ignoring the fact that Brady's second goal, Stutes that completely overshadowed it with that assist. Yeah, like that pass was wild. That's some like EA NHL game stuff you were watching on that one. Yeah, well, it's like you can tell like after that third goal, Ottawa just, Ottawa just like, they really stopped skating because they didn't need to keep playing it. No. But... That was the problem because they obviously did need to keep playing it. The other thing is just like, other than that 10 minute stretch where like Detroit was playing very well for that first two periods, they were the better team from about halfway through the first to the end of the second. Detroit was the better team until the Senators smartened up. I'm really not impressed by this Detroit team. No, and that's been a comment that you've made all year. Anytime that we've ever talked about or played Detroit. Yeah, like it's a team that, the skill outside of that top line isn't there. And 
I don't want to like I don't think Larkin was like injured injured but he left that game and uh the team was just not the same without Dylan Larkin no like the Ottawa Senators have managed to continue on pretty well even without Thomas Shabbat like I think Ottawa has enough star power that they can continue without a key piece Detroit does not and like <sighs> the rest of that team is pretty pretty thin and Sherratt and Petri look terrible. And with three goals against, woof. Now, do you have any more comments you want to make on this game before we head off into the second game of the evening? I like Batherson's game. Oh, you know what? I love the little dance that he did after he thought he scored. Scored, yeah. But like early in the game and late in the game, we saw what we like to see out of Batherson. Hard forechecking, defensively good, and just setting up plays nicely. And the fact that Batherson was only victimized for one goal against was pretty good. I also really like the Sanderson Zub pairing. Shikran Bernard Docker and Shikran Hamannick. That needs some work. You know what? Sanderson with that mustache. That's a mustache that says, you will not call me daddy. You will call me father. I'm surprised you haven't been talking about uh, Sen's nicknames. Especially with the fact that I think, was it Batherson was making merchandise based off of him being called Snake? <laughs> I think I saw that, actually. <laughs> we'll have to look at this one, because great. How have I missed this? Yeah, like, he was making shirts and stuff. Like, I'm unless I'm just completely out to lunch here. Drake Batherson. Uh, bu or was it Sanderson? No, it was just funny stuff. Now, someone's going to tell me, actually, it was uh, Jake Sanderson who made all the shit for Snake. I was like, talking about, like, funny clothes we saw in Sweden. And Austin Matthews did have the David <laughs> David Camp summer winter camp <laughs> sweater. He's just like, yeah, we'll tell you about it later. And then never tells anyone about it. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's funny. Ah, uh, good stuff, man. Good stuff. Let's turn our attention to the second and final game of the evening. Wild versus Senators. This is a two-to-one Senators shootout victory. Marco Rossi got the lone wild goal. Brandstrom got the lone sense goal. And Josh Norris won it in the shootout. Shots were 31-25 for Ottawa. Now, of course, this is the second game of our Swedish road trip. And you know, it's funny. On top of the hour, we talked about when... Sweden named their arena the Avicii Arena after the now late Swedish DJ. And I made the comment. I was like, well, that seems kind of crazy. They're named it after Avicii. And then I found he's one of the best-selling artists in out of Sweden ever. Which is incredible considering some of the artists that come out of Sweden. Well, yeah. I mean, especially when you got, what, ABBA? ABBA. Ace of Bass. I mean, okay. You're not going to you're not going to argue that in flames was going to outsell them. But to be fair, like Swedish producers write everyone's music. Max Martin. Max, Max Martin, Martin fucking wrote every hit pop song of the late 90s. But it was really cool to see that they're playing at the Avicii Arena. And it kind of dawned on me. I was like, oh, yeah, that's right. We talked about that on the show. So excitingly named the arena. What a boring game to watch. Just literally nothing happened. Like, it was just kind of a boring eh, 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 game until Marco Rossi scored. Then Minnesota proceeded to do nothing after that. 
after a really nice sequence, Brandy gets a beautiful goal. And then it goes back to as both teams kind of park the bus and uh, play for play for overtime. And the less said about that session of three on three, the better. Yeah. Ian Mendez noted that both fans from both teams at about halfway through the five, the three on three overtime start chanting boring, boring. So it's like, unfortunately, yeah, like nothing happened. You know what? That's a great response by the fans though. If, if you're paying your hard earned money to watch a game and that's how it is, and that's what always kind of drives me crazy about the three on three OT is that you're absolutely correct. It is so boring and you're just, you're, they're obviously waiting for somebody to just go through the middle. Yeah. The one thing that I have heard someone suggest to kind of make it more interesting. Like I know the, the NHL is considering an over and back sort of rule, like, like basketball where once you cross the red line, you can't go back. Mm-hmm. I've heard someone suggest currently overtime is the long change. Make it the short change. I think that could get you more play. Cause I think what uh, over and back would do is probably just introduce worse plays and then teams just throwing nothing at the net. Yeah. So it'll be boring in a different way. Yeah. I mean, it's not like you use one of my backwards ass ideas of instead of using the full ice, Pull the net to either the defensive blue line or center. Oh, uh, you mean like Timbits hockey style? Yes. That would be funny. Just for one game. Just just try, just it, try out. it. Maybe it's gonna be good. I don't know. But uh Anton Forsberg played a very good game, winning Ottawa's first shutout of sorry, shootout of the season. Yep. And a point nine six, he becomes the first European player to sorry the first european goaltender to win a game in his home country first swedish goaltender to win it in his home country well european is the whole continent right true true but that was just the the post that i saw he was the first swedish goalie to he's win the it. first not in canadian or american to do it yeah which yeah, is kind true. of incredible but then you realize that these games get played so rarely it is true i mean but I really the one thing I will comment about this game though, Tim, is that at least the two guys that really stuck out was Bradstrom and Anton Forsberg, both guys from Sweden. Oh yeah. And I remember a lot of the chatter before this global series games was that Ottawa had played themselves into such a poor position that it didn't make sense to start Anton Forsberg. Yeah. And especially given how poor Anton Forsberg's last start was. It did seem pretty reasonable to start Corpy for both games. I am really glad that Forsberg had a lights out performance. Yeah, and you failed to mention Tim Eric Brasham, two hundredth NHL game in this one. That's sick, and he gets the game tying goal. You'll love to see it. And honestly, I thought Branny looked great. Like he was going up against the Kaprizov line. Admittedly, the Kaprizov line didn't really do much, but I thought they got the better of them. But imagine if they played the Timbit style net at center. Yeah, that bit sick. So it's kind of funny how much of a difference a week makes, where all of a sudden in the last two weeks, Ottawa's won four of five. And they now have a 0.533 win percentage. 
they're just in the bottom of the Atlantic because they have played so many fewer games. They've actually won as many games as Detroit, and I think more than Montreal. Yeah, now they're above Montreal. It's just Ottawa's lost their games in regulation. That's it. Yeah. And thankfully, the nice thing is at least we're getting healthy once again. So if we keep stringing us together, it's all going to be good, Tim. Pretty much. And we're not seeing, unlike previous years, we're not seeing the big discrepancy between home and away. Like Ottawa's 6 5 and 0, oh, quote marks, mm-hmm. at home, and 2 2 and 0 oh away. So not terrible. 5 5 and 0 oh in their last 10. So that hell streak all of a sudden looks much better. And this is at a time where a lot of the other teams are starting to come back to earth. Detroit's three, five, and two. Montreal's two, seven, and one. Tampa's four, four, and two. If the Ottawa Senators uh, beat the Islanders when they get back, Ottawa could be sitting pretty, pretty. Yeah, and we'd like to see it, man. I mean, after all of these years, all these years of podcasting of us watching terrible Sens hockey, the Sens are getting good. Yeah, and like, especially if Detroit continues to slump. Tampa is kind of eh. We are seeing that it's almost the end of November. We're about over halfway through November now. And according to Hockey Viz's model, Ottawa's a coin flip to make the the playoffs 48%. Yep. And a couple more wins, and uh, it'll become more likely than not. Yeah. And the one, uh, one the thing fam- stop us is maybe a big losing streak of this. A point. big losing streak. Yeah, pretty much. But... What's good to see is, and I think if Ottawa is in a playoff spot come American Thanksgiving, all is well. Yep. Can't ask for more, man. Exactly. So, Tim, I don't have any more comments to make on these games. If you want to head off to the close for another episode. I know everyone's commented on it, but it's kind of, not kind of, it's very funny that Brady Kachuk only has multi-goals games this season. Like, is there anything else more Brady? Ooh, what if... Now, nah, just hear me out on this one. What if, if Timmy Stu had scored the overtime winner, if Brady put him on his shoulders and skated down the ice? Oh, that'd have been sick. Yeah, but then again, Timmy's not Johnny Goudreau. He's not small like him, so... That's true. Maybe Branstrom. Maybe Brandy. Branstrom yeah. seems pretty small, so... Oh, I forgot Bass Hunter was a Swedish singer. Base Hunter is really? Yeah. Man, I have not thought of a base hunter in a long time. Yeah, what else? I'm trying to think of like what other big Swedish acts there were. Oh, let's see. Uh, Mando Dio. Dio. Let's see, Avicii, Abba, uh, In Flames. Swedish House Mafia. Yeah. Mashuga. Mashuga. Uh, Agnes Carlson. Never heard of them. She was big in Europe. Ah, okay. Uh, Veronica Maggio. Uh, that sounds Italian, doesn't that? That does. Icona Pop. Icona Pop, never. Probably another Europe band, never heard of. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Zara Larson. Never heard of them. Okay, okay. Swedish Pop. Yeah, there's a lot. Then again, they just write everyone's music. That seems very Swedish, though. To just be good at so many things and be very quiet about it. Yeah. Like, Dennis Pop and Max Martin writing all, like, all the music for uh, Britney Spears, the Blackstreet Boys, Celine, and then writing for Celine Dion, Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry. 
just wild. Yeah, so wild. I mean, God, Sweden is so... I'm trying to think there was also a... No, I think they were English. They were the ones they did a remix of Suzanne Vega's Tom, Tom's Diner. Top 15 biggest Swedish acts. You have ABBA. Yeah, Avi. Roxette. Ace of Base. Hold on, back up. Roxette is Swedish? Yeah, Roxette were a Swedish pop duo. It's funny, Roxette seems like one of those acts from like the late 80s that has so no reference or relevance today. Yeah, like... And they had some hits. They had hits in the late 80s. They were Like Joyride, yeah. It's not like they were some one-hit wonder. Yeah, like, I just never... Think about Roxette unless it's on the on the radio. Well, I guess like they did this soundtrack for Pretty Woman. See th- that I can see. I could see Roxette doing that. Yeah. You know what I completely forgot about is a band, a huge, huge band from the eighties who has like no relevance at all now is Duran Duran. Which is a shame because I love Duran Duran. I know you love Duran Duran. That's the thing. They played Stampede Roundo outside of my house. Sorry, outside of my apartment. So I got a free Duran Duran concert. You also got a free Billy Idol show out of that. Too. Yeah, that was sick. That apartment was like get it, having the West Side apartment that overlooked Moana Armory where they do those shows. That yeah. was sick. Yeah, I know you guys love your new home now. But that apartment was pretty sick. I only got a chance to go there the one time. And I always talk about like that chair that was like, what, four, five inches off the ground. It's sitting right next to me, Tay. Oh, buddy. Although if we ever re- record in this in my uh, current office, we have two office chairs now. Oh, boy. And a prop and a proper microphone. So, yeah, good stuff. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Yeah, and then Ace of Base, Zara Larson, Avicii. Europe was Swedish? Yes, I vaguely remember Europe being Swedish. But then again, the only thing I know about Europe is the final countdown. That's the only thing anybody remembers on them. And even that song is not good. It's memorable, but it's not good. That's fair, that's fair. Yeah, like the... Yo... You ought to know a band that's Swedish. Which? Rednecks. <laughs> the copy of Cotton Eye Joe. Sorry, the cover of Cotton Eye Joe that everybody knows. Performed by Swedes. <laughs> that's incredible. Uh, you know what? Our friend Dez loves that song. Cotton I got so tired of that cover of Cotton Eye Joe. I know, but again, it's one of those songs where it's like, it's memorable, but you can argue it's not good. It, it, I will argue it's not good. Yeah. That's the thing. And the thing that listeners may be kind of surprised about, because you know, I'm a bit, they know me as the rock or metal guy, is that I always have like a very soft spot for like l- mid, early to mid 90s Euro dance. So, like, yeah. Two Unlimited, I think is so elite. I love Two Unlimited. <laughs> I was always a big Euro pop, like Euro beat as well. Yeah. Like uh, Max Corvetti. That stuff is just take the initial D soundtrack and pop it into my veins. I am here for running in the 90s. Dude, I got to tell you. And it's so 
cheesy and so like dated but it's so good it's at the so same fun time. like there was something so fun about like a van full of like 25 to 30 year old dudes cruising around this random ass route in victoria in suits jamming out oh my god that was so good like but also uh man I don't want to get like a like get a screenshot of the route that Google gave us to get from the Delta and Victoria to that particular parking lot at Uvic. Oh my yeah, we took every back road in Dick. It was so weird. Like there's like schools I didn't know existed. Dude, we went into like the really like small neighborhoods of Vesic because it was like what we were in the Delta. So all we had to do is get back to Douglas, go up to Hillside. <laughs> And then go, but no, we go like to took... Shelburne. That's all we had to do. No, we took like Bay for a bit. Then we we didn't even go like through downtown. Like wound around us. Like we went across the Bay Street Bridge and this started winding. <laughs> it was the weirdest route. <laughs> it wasn't as funny as when we got there and we're like, okay, guys, we're good, we're good to go. And then your photographer just screeches like, in behind, peels in, and we're all like. I am glad Chelsea drove with the wedding platter. Yeah. And she was, and I feel so bad for the daughter. She goes, guys, I am so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, it's good. Let's go. You're on time. Let's go. Yep. We're ready. Let's do this. Well, the worst one was freaking Liam steps out of the van, grabs a smooth, like he had <laughs> his freaking lifting smoothie. And then Sonny's like, yo, I wasn't going to say this, but like, man, you're, I was like, man, Liam's pretty. There's no way he's straight. Dude, I was like, Sonny, what the fuck? You know, you know what was worse was fucking Anthony. Anthony was almost straight up hitting on him. I was just like, good lord. What's going on here? Okay, so I'll give going... you know what? I'll give Liam that. He's a good looking dude. I'm gonna give him yeah. that. Okay, we're going from Delta to parking lot. Was it lot five or lot three? University of Victoria. I don't know. All I remember is just what a crazy weekend that was. And then we went to Felicity's. Felicity's, yeah. Tried to pay for the freaking parking. Oh my god, it it ate my money? Yes! And you phoned fucking security! And I was like, yeah, if you told, if you give me a ticket, I'm fighting this. Which is not how you told us. All we, how you, how we got told wasn't that if I get ticketed, I'm fighting this. We got told is, I simply told them that if they ticket me, I'm going to fight them. Like, and we thought like a physical fight. No, like, I meant like, I'm going to fight this in court. Like, know, I'm going to go to I'm small place. Like, but I'm just like, why the fuck would Tim fight them? Like, like, <laughs> oh, God. I, yes. Tim, Tim had it. That was a weird night, though, because didn't everybody get food poisoning? Like, a bunch of people got food poisoning. Yeah. So did I. Yeah. Was it who? Was it me, John, your dad, and like a couple of others? Yeah. Okay, I found the weird ass route that it took us on. Okay. So we took it took us Bay to Cook, and then on like Cedar Hill, and then to then to something then to Pear Street, over Shelburne on like that random little one that then connects up to Cedar Hill Cross. And then we took Gordon head up and around. 
was the weirdest route that I'd Dude, ever taken. The nice thing was, at least it was like, you had three of us in that van who were actually from the from island. Victor, we're, like, we're all like, what is this? You, and, Sonny, and, and I were like, where the fuck are we? And then Liam's like, man, this is dumb. Yeah, Anthony's just driving. He's just driving along. He's like, I don't know, man. I'm just following the map. We're all like, this map's stupid. And John's like, well, Tim, if you want to go the way you do, you should have drove. You oh wouldn't let me. Yeah. <laughs> that was such a good weekend, man. Uh, no, it was a fun time. Not fun just time. because you got married, but because we have, we have, the five of us had such a good time just hanging out. <laughs> Well, I'm trying to think like other stupid things we did. Oh, okay. I got one. I got one. I don't know if you were there. I think you and Chelsea were doing the pictures. Did we ever tell you about the two women that were doing the scavenger hunt? No. In the when like Liam, John, Anthony, Sonny, and I, we were sort of standing around as you went off with Chelsea to get your picture taken. And these like two, probably in their they must have college kids like in their maybe early 20s. was this at uvic or was this at uh market square uh, oh, parliament. <laughs> we were at parliament and we we're standing there and the girls these two girls come up to us like hey guys listen we're doing a scavenger hunt i think it was like we need to find someone whose name was what is the name you might have to i might be wrong i think it was like heath or kyle or something like this kyle it was kyle and so they took the selfie of us and they're like, yeah, we found, and I think it was Anthony or John, who's like, yeah, my name is Kyle. And the rest of us named our own names. We stopped, and I said, hey, by the way, I looked at everybody, okay, guys, follow my lead. Just say we're all named Kyle. So they did the video. It says, hi, my name is Kyle. Hey, my name is also Kyle. And I said, guys, you won't believe this. I'm also a Kyle. No, I remember the, you guys never told me about the scavenger hub part. You guys just looked at me as like, yo, I'm Kyle. And you guys all they did that again. And I'm like, yeah, sup, I'm Kyle. Sorry, Chelsea, you're marrying Kyle. No, my name's Kyla. Yeah. Because I think, I... like, we didn't even ask. We just played along. <sighs> Dude, the Market Square one was great when we had the football. We, remember the guys in the balcony? And they were looking up, hey, guys, throw the football. And I, and I threw it up there. And, and you were hit the chain of lights. I got in the lights. <laughs> well, my, fir- my stomach dropped. My first thought was, Oh Christ, these are gonna break. I said two things are gonna happen. We're gonna get broke and thrown out, or Tim's gonna find out, and I'm gonna get in shit with him. I was there. Yeah. I watched you do it. I know, and that was the thing. I was like, I was waiting for you to turn around. Like, really, Ted? No, I think when we turned around, nothing was broken. I'm like, no more football. Yeah, but I was waiting for you to turn and be like, no, no more. For real. And then the football got reinflated on the flight home. <laughs> That's incredible. I feel like this is the most we've spoken about my wedding on this show. I think so. We must have. We must have done it sometime in the past, but I think it was... Oh, God. Like, that messenger with all of us in it. And you got... To, and you and Chelsea were like, guys, the football's reinflated. And I'm just like, praise him! <laughs> praise him! Just so much shit that happened. Dude... Shout out to you and Chelsea, and I will I will say this to your face, I will say it on the podcast, is both of you guys did such a great job as picking everybody who got along with each other. <laughs> you know how sideways that could have gone if we got picked people that didn't get along? Yeah, I've seen it happen. Yeah, because, and we talked about this, because I think it was like, what, 
Liam and or is it John and Sonny had kind of met each other and the rest of us hadn't. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, John and Sonny, John, Sonny and Hayden had met each other briefly. Yeah. I could have sworn Liam and Sonny had met each other before. Yeah. I think the only ones who hadn't met anybody was Anthony and I. Yeah, Anthony and you hadn't met anyone. Yeah. Which is surprising because you've come to Calgary before. I came there once. But you I came once. We, yeah, I think we don't, I don't think we met any of your buddies, though. No. Uh, because I was like, yo, I'm going to Stampede with, with my boy Tay. That's nice. <laughs> I don't want to go to Stampede. <laughs> oh, I, I think I remember that. Yeah, it's what, what a great way to close off the episode, eh, Tim? You know, we had all this stuff, and then we just started talking about your wedding. It was good times. Ah, uh, good times, man. Good times. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I hope you've enjoyed it because believe me, Tim and I love recording it for you. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, and Google Play as well as on social media at Third Line Plug. You can also find me on social media at Great White Gipster, and you can find Tim on Twitter at M901 Honey Badger. So Tim, for next week, like I mentioned, we've got our special ghost, Dan Saracini from the Islanders Anxiety Podcast and Lighthouse Hockey joining us to talk about the lone game of the week versus the New York Islanders. That's going to be a good one, I think. I think it's going to be a good one. I'll tell, can I tell one more quick story about your wedding before we officially close it out? Do you remember? You know, what? I was thinking we could close out the episode and then go. Okay. 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 Let's do it. Yeah. Until next time, guys. I am your host, <laughs> Taylor Gibson. And this has been Tim Jetsy. Go, Sens, guys. Woo! Okay, Tim. So, this is some bonus features that, or bonus content for the listeners. Because I have one more story that I totally forgot about <laughs> and I totally remember now. The day that we picked John from the airport. Yeah. So we go out to Langford to see Chelsea. You <laughs> call Chelsea on in in the car and you're going, oh, and you're driving like, oh, him. Yeah, yeah, I'm just, yeah, we just picked John up. Just, she's like, oh, that's good. Yeah, whatever. You know, same, whatever. And I'm just kind of looking over and like, and I, and I think I said something. She goes, is that Tay? It's like, yeah, Tay, Tay's with me. Oh, hey, Tay, what's going on? And I was like, I was like, hey, Chelsea. I feel for poor John. He's probably sitting in the back of the seat going, really? <laughs> no, he was like, where's my welcome? Yeah. No, because like we picked up the suits and we we're going up to Langford to get food for the van. And oh, then the Costco run. Yeah, that dropped stuff off with Chelsea. <laughs> I remember that. So we were like, hey. And like you and John were trying to get me to buy a hot dog. Yeah. Even oh, though, never, like, we had never, just... John didn't want to go to Costco. He's like, dude, I work at the Costco warehouse. I work at the warehouse. I don't want to go to work. <laughs> I'm like, no, we're going to this Costco. He's like, fine. Yeah. And then, like, we had eaten this... John and I both had the clamp, the seafood chowder yes. in the bread bowl, and it was, like, warmish day, so it was just like... And you're like, hey, guys, do you want a hot dog? I'm like, Tay, I will kill you. <laughs> so I felt so bad. And oh. then we got to Chelsea's place. And there's like the little play park. So like Chelsea and I went and practiced uh, dancing a bit. And then we look over and you and John are like going down oh, the slide. And then like, I look back, I'm like, okay, whatever. And then I look back and the thing is rocking. I'm like, okay, you guys have to stop. 
<laughs> oh my god, god that was so much fun though it was such a fun weekend well just like i still remember like uh we like uh what you stopped at the airport and uh we we're picking up john and i was getting the rental car john like as i'm getting the rental car you're like go you went to park and uh i'm like okay yeah so we just have to go find tay i got the rental keys all blah 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 and then we'll figure out where we're meeting up and we're gonna go condense to one car he's like oh what's tay look like oh he's just got spiky hair and probably will have a monster and as I'm saying that, we turn around and you're standing there with the Monster Zero Sugar. Like, wave, like, hi. Hey. There's the guy I described. Okay, that, that's a pretty good description. <laughs> sure. Pretty accurate. Pretty accurate. I mean... Because I didn't even know that you were going. I was just like, you know what? It's early. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think I... No, I think I mentioned that to you. I think I was like, all right, you're like, hey, you're like, Ty, I gotta go get the run car. I'm like, yeah, yeah, no worries. Go get it. I'll go get caffeine. I'll come back. Just like, yeah, he's gonna like, have the boss. Like, Hey guys. I'm surprised any of us were alive during the bachelor party just because we woke up so damn like John had to catch the flight. My parents' cat decided to be lonely at 5 a.m. I think you were the one who slept it the longest to seven. Yeah, and that's only because I just live like up around the corner from your mom and dad. Yeah, that was just like so funny. And that was easy. I just got up showered drove down picked you up and we're like all right ted all right hey ted let's go okay off we go all the luggage we had to throw into my car just to get it in there oh yeah well i remember my my parents were making fun of uh like they're making fun of me for all the stuff i brought (laughs) yeah your mom has no chill oh not at all but i was also like she's like why did you bring multiple suits because i need them yeah and I, I wore all of them. Yeah. Oh my god, you're friggin' when you left me with the Ottawa boys, and in fairness, we talked about this. You didn't tell you didn't know that they had been drinking all day. And then like by the time you showed up, Anthony was dead. He wasn't quite dead. I was there before that. No, you yeah, you got there yeah, right really. before that. Yeah, that I was, was there right before that. Like, because I was at Sonny's when you guys got there. Yeah, because the what I got told by you was, okay, okay, right, guys, I'll meet you at Sonny's. Tay, you're sort of the ringleader. You you kind of know where you're going. I'm like, okay, aye, aye, Captain, no worries. So, and it's like, the the Ottawa boys are like, hey, we saw this pub up the road, Irish Times. Like, let's go to Irish Times. Okay. Yeah, and then you message us, where the hell are you guys? And he was like, all right, Irish Times. Like, hey, I told you we were going to meet at Sonny's. And I'm like, yeah, I know. These guys want to go Irish Times. I was like, well, Sonny's just like, why are you guys paying for booze? Yeah. (laughs) Well, there was also like a, I had to move my car. Sorry, I had to move the van and uh, let the people I was sharing the Airbnb within. Yep. And uh, then you guys are like, where the hell did Tim and John go? And I think Martin was telling me like they just expected me to not come back. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in fairness, you had been awake for a long time. If you had not shown came back, we were, I would have been like, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, that's fair. Well, Sonny would be like, what the fuck? <laughs> I think by the time I you came back, I was like, yeah, I'm too 
I'm too gone. I'm like, no, I'm out. Nope, you're out. As soon John as you was showed up. I'm like, okay, you're he's they're your problem now. They're my <laughs> yeah, and they were they were my problem until well, I don't want to say problem. They, they, they was it was my fun time until I think we got back at around three a.m. Yeah. I think we beat you back. Like, we got back to our place before you got back to your place. Yeah. Just incredible. Oh, good times, though. Good times. Good, good times. <laughs>